0: I got a phone call from America. I have no idea how they got wind of my song, but uh, this guy on the other side said, look, uh, we, we uh, have heard your song. You, you've written a song called Elijah. I remember correcting him and saying, oh, no, not know well, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I said, look, uh, we'd like to uh, come and record it in uh, Northern Ireland. And, and I thought, really? The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Hales, editor of Premier Christianity magazine. If you'd like a free sample copy of our latest issue featuring reviews, interviews, news and so much more, then head to premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. Today I'm speaking with the Northern Irish worship leader Robin Mark. Robin is the writer of many songs which are sung all over the world, including Days of Elijah, You're the Lion of Judah and Take Us to the River. He's released 13 albums with sales of over 2 million worldwide. He's also the first UK-based artist to reach number one in the USA's Christian retail charts. Robin, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much, Sam. It's a pleasure to be with you. Pleasure to be with you.
1: So we always like to start um, with these interviews about hearing about a person's life growing up. Now, obviously, you grew up in a a pretty interesting part of the world, if I can use that, if I can use that word. Tell me a little bit about what life was like for you growing up.
0: Well, uh, I was born in Belfast. And uh, in fact, I was born in Donegal Pass in Belfast, which is on the south side, uh, very working class uh, sort of area. And... uh, my parents were sort of sort of working class. They moved over to the East Belfast. Uh, we, still st- we were city dwellers, that's for sure. And uh, really, probably about the age of about 14, 15, 16, uh, that's when the troubles began in Northern Ireland. Because as, as many people, well, as practically the entire world knows, uh, there was a political Argument, really, and, and it became a religious argument, and then it became all sorts of things and uh, we we just dubbed it the troubles, but they lasted for many, many years, and uh, with uh, all sorts of consequences. Um, I think most of us, including myself, look back at those days and uh, we tell the stories of those days because it 's past you know that 's one of the things about life, I suppose that. As, as times passed, things that were absolutely horrendous when they when you were in the middle of it ha, have become good stories you can tell your children you know we we keep on <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say I hope no one's offended but we we keep on uh, sort of saying to our kids because they're frightened about of, of COVID nineteen and that whole thing's really shaking them around and we say you think this is bad you <laughs> you should have lived when we did you see so so is that that's sort of the, the thing but uh, the Northern Ireland people and, and the, the population, of course, are in even uh, in the worst situations, generally very stoic. And uh, there's a, a good sense of, of God's favor on the country that we live in. And there's a, a real uh, high level of people who are acknowledging that, you know, the father, God, the father. And Jesus Christ. So it, it, it was a balance of something, a balance of living in a place which was very beautiful uh, but very very troubled and uh, I got here anyway. Let's just yeah. say we got through it. You, know. you
1: got through it, absolutely. So can you remember as, as a teenager, can you remember violence? Can you remember clashes or, yeah. or were you sort I of shielded remember, from I was,
0: that? I remember talking to an American person and, and they, uh, they asked me, you know, like, did anything ever happen to, to, to you? And I said, well, not really. And then I started to, to list the things. Uh, you know, I I was uh, traveling back home in a in a bus from the city center when the, the bus was attacked by rioters, and I ended up in a army in the back of an army ambulance, uh, taken to the army base, where uh, the the army medic actually fixed me up, and then sent me off home again. So you know, that was sort of like semi normal.
1: Right, yeah. bizarre
0: when you think back, back on it. And uh, when I worked, I, worked, I, I was uh, left school uh, uh, because I was basically in a working class environment. They didn't really think about going to university initially. So I left school when I was 16, 15, 16. And uh, I, I worked in the center of Belfast in an office. Uh, and uh, one day coming back from lunch in the office, we were walking up Donegal Street. And uh, there was this huge bang at the top of of Donegal Street because the the, the terrorists had stuck a bomb in my office, would you believe? The the building that the office was in was there. And I can remember, uh, there was quite a lot of people in the street, but I can remember a guy grabbing a whole lot of us and throwing us against the wall of of the uh, properties there. Uh, which I didn't understand what he was doing initially, but what he was trying to do was to get us away from the breaking glass that was sort of beginning to shower down on the, 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 uh, the, the uh, ground and around where we were. And of course, uh, again, but, you know, when it all stopped and we all looked back and looked back and I looked up and saw my, my, my uh, office, you know, in a very poor state of uh, structure, I, I actually just started to walk back up to my office. You know so it's funny you you you're in the middle of all those sorts of things that that seem terrible you you, all, you have a sort of a normality that, that mm-hmm. sets, sets in so that, that was but I was one of the lucky ones there were so many people who who, who died I think it' was three and a half thousand people died in the troubles and um, many many more thousands were injured et cetera and you can even people may know that uh, they're trying to recompense people who got very badly injured in the troubles through none of their own sort of fault. And they're trying to sort that. And even now, decades from that time, we're still trying to fix that out and there's still people suffering. So um, it was not a nice time, <clears throat> but it was the time of, of my life. I yes.
1: And uh, as you say, when you're living it, you just think it's normal. And I guess it's only with, with hindsight, looking back, you think in many ways, probably quite an abnormal um, upbringing and, and childhood but tell me a little bit about where faiths came into the picture and what kind of a, a Christianity were you brought up with?
0: Right well uh, I must admit about a two or three months ago I did a little concert a small free concert in a, in a brethren church who asked me to come and, and which was really a, a very nice thing to do <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it, it started me sort of reminding myself of the fact that when I was a tiny little boy uh, in the part of East Belfast where I was living then, there was a gospel hall and they had a children's meeting. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the sort of prerogative of, of the gospel hall. They're fantastic people, etc. Uh, and so they they crammed, uh, and, and actually I checked this out, about 600 uh, rascals, I suppose, including me, into a wee gospel hall every Tuesday night. And uh, if you know anything about the Brethren, they're very biblically set. Uh, they, they sing, they enjoy singing without any music sometimes, but uh, and they, they taught us basically about Christ and salvation and uh, who we were and how God loved us, etc. And I actually, on that concert, which was just I say, a couple of months ago, uh, in the middle of the concert, I stopped it and I, I sort of said, you know what, guys, I want to thank you, you know, because these were all brethren people sitting in front of me. I said, I want to thank you that, uh, you know, I was just a little lad, had no idea, and your little church actually rescued me, basically, and uh, gave me a sense and an understanding of what Christ has done for me, and here I am all those years later, so I, 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 I started there and uh, continued, joined a Methodist church finally and met my wife there. And uh, we got married in the Methodist Church and I haven't looked back, actually, you know, so I don't know how much more you want to know. It's really boring at this
1: point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's interesting stuff. It's always interesting to hear how people's sort of faith journey has sort of changed over time. So you went from brethren to, to Methodist. Are you, you still, are you still in the Methodist Church
0: now? No, I'm not, actually, because what happened uh, was we, we got married. And uh, in the, when you get married, you don't have any money. So you buy houses that are way out of the city, et cetera, because they're cheaper. So we did that and we, we bought a, a, a house or, or a bit of a house in a place called Carried Up. And when we were sort of there and settled in, we went looking for the Methodist church close by, of which there was not one. So <laughs> so uh, we sort of kept back, you know, kept going back to Belfast, et cetera. And we, we knew some people in a church called Christian Fellowship Church. Uh, and uh, when our first child came, we thought we had better go to a church that's sort of family oriented and be there. And so we, we moved into CFC. CFC, I think a lot of people may be listening to this and or whatever, um, will know CFC. Paul Reed was the pastor there and he became a great friend. And actually I've been there with my wife and my whole family is there for the last 30, 40 years. Actually. Wow. We, we've been, been stuck there, you know. So <laughs> it's, still, it's still a great church, actually, and we still go. Uh, although I have to say that following many trends in the, in the church calendar, we have a cafe church that you can go to, you know. For, it, it basically is supposed to be for people who don't really like the idea of church but might like to have a cup of coffee and sort of thing. So we actually now go to cafe church. And we we'll love that. But it's still in CFC. So, sure.
1: Uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll come, back to, come back to your story in a minute. But we should just pause here and acknowledge, of course, that uh, I don't know exactly what the rules are in, in your part of the world. And obviously, these, these legislation and rules and guidelines and change you all the time. But right now, for my local church, we're not allowed to sing. Yes. not allowed to sing together. Is that the case where you are at the moment as
0: well? Uh, yes, it is, actually. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. And uh, I said, because we, we're trying to open up Cafe Church again. And I thought, oh, great. And I was talking to him and I said, we won't be able to sing. And he says, oh, no, I think you can. So I, and it's, it's one of those... <laughs> <laughs> no one I knows, do they? You don't want to send anybody up the wrong track, but uh, <laughs> like everything that comes on the radio, you know, it, it, it seems to change every day. Yes, but it I does. I think they, they're allowing the, the one singer or one guitarist or leader, if you like, to sing. But the congregation yes. has to just sit and listen. Yeah, so, uh, which
1: is so... I mean, even having this conversation, who could have predicted we'd have this conversation even a year ago, two years ago? And I'm a mindful, you know, some people might be listening to this conversation in a few years' time and be thinking, what are they on about? What, why, why can't they sing? So just, just, just to clarify, I should clarify, COVID, we're in the middle of COVID right now. No one knows when it's going to end. And, we've, and we're told at least that singing is one of the main ways that we could spread this pretty deadly virus um but, but for you as a worship leader, this is a this is a pretty big deal, right? I mean, we, yeah, yeah. I know I know as Christians we often say you know worship is about so much more than singing, and, and it's right we acknowledge that. But at the same time, most churches uh, across the world, you know, singing is a really important part of what we do together on a Sunday, and I think a lot of Christians are really missing that.
0: Yeah, I I, I think so too, and and yes, you're right, and I know uh, because we you know we have to keep in the in the well. The best part of our mind, I think, we have to keep the fact that yes, worship, it, you know, takes in all sorts of things and uh, all sorts of even just lifestyle and all the rest of the stuff. But there's something about song worship which is very powerful, and uh, it has an impact on people and it has an impact on societies. And that idea of music being, you know, given and us, you know, being able to bless the heart of God just by singing songs and singing his praises, is is a fantastic thing, you know? So, and, and to have that taken away, I I, I really do feel feel it's a, it's a a very sad, sad time. And uh, the best thing that we can do, of course, and which most of us do is just sing away to our heart's content in our own homes and and, and whatever, and and continue to worship the Lord. But you're right. I, I miss it. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the day when whoever those Oxford sort of, uh, clinical people are that are trying to find this antivirus i'm looking for today that they say it's gone you yes know? let's all sing. But, but but do you think
1: do you think if this does you know if god forbid if this were to carry on for months or even years and if the church is still being told let's say for the sake of argument if in a year's time the church is still being told you can't sing at that point would you actually support christians Uh, campaigning a bit harder and telling the government actually this isn't on you know is is there a line when actually we say as Christians look I'm sorry government but our faith comes first and if worship is a really important part of singing we're gonna have to break the rules I mean could you foresee a time where where we might end up in that position
0: yeah I hope not actually I I always sort of think well we've got a, a responsibility as Christians to sort of uh not not subjugate ourselves to all sorts of different ideas that governments might have, but but actually to be responsible. And, uh, if, if, and I, and I believe that, that it is a problem, you know, that, that if it is scientifically likely that people, when they're singing together, will pass that virus, I, I, I think the church has to just say, well, look, we've got to do the right thing. Uh, we're, you know, it's all about God's love and God bringing people to health and vitality and, and, uh, To live a great life, etc., etc. So we don't want to do anything that that I think gives the the church a bad image, in a Mm -hmm. sense. And uh, you know, maybe I'm a wimp. You see, and I just like to do as I'm told. (laughs) Probably because my wife has been sort of you know saying that for for a long (laughs) time. But uh, I know you know. I think there are things that that obviously that the churches have to stand up and say no. This is just a, a, a bridge too far and sure we don't support this but I think for this for this particular circumstance it's very sad and I mean I've I've, you know uh, I've been blessed to be able to do concerts and stuff like that you know life has changed for me different times etc I've been all over the world in America and all that Uh, and I miss all that you know because basically that has just been cancelled but uh, it might help us actually and it might help somebody like me who sings and has music so much to, to, to realise again that there are other ways of worshipping the Lord mm. and uh, other ways of actually praising his name, you know, outside yeah. of the
1: Coming back to your story, tell me a bit about how you were called into worship music, worship ministry, worship leading. When did all that? When did that idea, I guess, first first uh, cross your path? Because I guess we should acknowledge that even the term worship leader is is a relatively is quite a new term, isn't it?
0: It is. Yes, I know, and I know that still some people don't like it as a, <laughs> as, a as a name, and I, and I and I can understand that. I I, uh, I when we moved from the, the the Methodist Church and went started to go to, to CFC, um, that was just the, the beginning of of uh, I, I suppose the worship movement in the United Kingdom and uh, uh sort of people like graham kendrick and all those guys were, were there and so uh because I, I suppose because i was sort of musical you know i got interested in that and, and got sort of like oh, you know that, that, that's really good i loved some of those lovely songs that they were writing i was delighted to to sing them etc and uh, but anyway I, I joined cfc and uh, as i say that was from the methodist church we had a a small baby girl at that time. And, uh, this is a, a true story. Okay. So, uh, I've been doing little bits and pieces and, uh, but mainly stuff like weddings, right? So I did, I was doing a wedding for someone. I can't even remember who. And Paul Reed, the pastor from CFC was at the wedding. Now this is the story as he tells it. So it's not made up. So, uh, he was sitting in the wedding and, uh, he felt that I was playing the wedding songs. I don't even know what it, what it was. And uh, he, he said later on, he said, look, I felt God say to me, that guy is going to be the worship leader in your church. Now, at that time, he went to CFC, but he, 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 was no, he wasn't the pastor there, etc. He was just another one of the leaders, etc. Uh, so he thought, in fact, as he, says, as, he, as he tells the story to me, he says, so I thought, I don't even know who that guy is, Lord. And that was it. So roll on about two or three months later and Jackie and me and our little baby turn up to CFC, and uh, we walk in and uh, I have a baby in arms and I go and sit down. The the church isn't exactly the way that we thought it, it was and was going to be. But we sat down and Paul was was preaching that day and also leading the worship. Now, Paul Reed cannot sing. Uh, <laughs> saying that. So he was leading in a, in a Brethren vel- uh, type thing called Lining Out, which was just, you know, con- conducting with your hands and singing. And he's, he, he's not a bad singer, but he's not a great singer. <laughs> and uh, so he was doing that at the front. That there had been a problem. It never happens in churches. Sure, it doesn't. Between... Uh, various factions in in, in CFC that wanted to do this and the other, and there was a little bit of turmoil going on. So they'd put him in that command and he looked down the the congregation and I'm sitting there with Jacqueline, my wife, and he felt God say, there's that guy that's going to be your worship leader. So believe it or not, he rang me up uh, about a a day or two later. And he said, "Uh, would you like to lead worship in our church? And uh, I, I, my actual answer was, uh, well, what do you mean? Like, just one day or what? And he said, well, tell you what, let's do it next Sunday and see what happens. And that was how I became <laughs> a worship leader in CFC. It was, it was uh, bizarre and a little bit weird. Uh, but the musicians, actually, that are all, were all a little bit upset because of the turmoil in the church. They came alongside and uh, helped me out. I'd never done worship like that actually up until that time and sung a lot of things, but I'd never had a band with me and all that type of thing. And we got, we got there and just boom, that was yeah. it. It started there and then it, it, it grew.
1: What I find fascinating about that is, uh, although of course you have traveled and, and ministered many places, in terms of being a worship leader at a church, you've only really been a worship leader at one church, I suppose.
0: That's right. Actually, yeah. Uh, it's at CFC and I am a little bit retired at the minute. But.
1: Right. But I, I I, just find that a fascinating contrast to, I guess, particularly some parts of America where, you know, you're a worship pastor and you sort of move around and you become a worship pastor at this church, then you're here. Um, and even just the whole the whole touring thing in America, you know, I understand a lot, a lot of American worship leaders, they're quite rarely at the local church because they're so busy touring the country. It's, it's quite different for you, it sounds like. You've really kind of had a home in, in one church for a long time and, and, and I guess there's something to be said there, right? For faithfulness, for longevity, for, for staying put and for, for working hard in one place.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's very kind of you to say, say so. But I, I suppose because of the situation we were in, we weren't even aware of that, that type of an idea. But I, I remember that Paul Reid, who's still alive and well, of course, <laughs> and I'm sure you know him, but uh, I, I remember him coming to me and said, you know, do you remember when we, when we started this? And he said, "I preached, and you led the worship, and we did morning service and evening service every single weekend for years and years, basically. And and, and that was it. And we we did it, and we loved it, and uh, the church grew grew under it. And you're you're right. Um, I have to be careful because it's everybody, you know, has their own opinions. But I, I do feel that the call of a worship leader is." Uh, a fantastic call, and, but the, 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 the core of that call is that you're bringing people in a congregation into a place where they can worship, where they can, you know, uh, be worshipers as well and worship well with you and your people and uh, elevate the name of Jesus Christ, really. And, and that that is better than if you travel all the world and sing wherever, and I've, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to do that, but I must admit, uh, I'm glad that, it, that the circumstances worked out that way, because I think that anything that I've done in the past, and anything that I've done, uh, even in the number of you know albums and stuff like that, it, it's still just the greatest pleasure is seeing people worship, and engaged, and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ, and uh, so, yes. I'm on your side. Yes, I think (laughs) there there is, uh, I don't want to be smart Alec, but there there is a sort of a sense sometimes that people say, uh, you know, well, I'll be a worship leader and I'll be famous. Right. And, and uh, you know, there's only one person that needs to be famous and that's Christ himself. Yeah. and, And that's, that's what you try to do yeah absolutely
1: yeah so tell me a bit about how um you started to write songs and how those songs started to travel because my understanding is is the songs started to travel before you did if i can put it that way
0: (laughs) they they did i mean i uh i hadn't been been sort of trained in in how you write a song you see and so uh but it just was there was a certain i suppose something in you and uh uh I'm one of, the, one of the types of writers that I am. In fact, it's the only type of writer that something has to catch my mind or I have to be inspired. In fact, my wife sometimes makes fun of me when uh, I'm writing songs because <laughs> so she sort of goes, Oh, here we go. He has to be inspired. He can't write anything. He's inspired. Well, you know, so some of the things that happened in the city, you know, in Belfast at that time, you see, you, you get inspiration from that and uh, circumstances that, that that you see in a, in a society like we had at that time and things that you see in your friends, etc. Uh, that's the only way I'm able to write. And uh, I, I have to say that they did drag me over to, to America uh, fairly early on and they put me in a room with about four other guys who were worship leaders and said, uh, you know, Uh, here Robin we we want you to write a song with some of our guys here and it was the most embarrassing day of my life actually I sat in the corner of that room trying to figure out something and they were kept saying what do you think the line should be here Robin and I was sort of going well I don't know you know because it just didn't there wasn't anything to think about so everything that has that has has uh, has happened Uh, in fact Practically every song that I've ever wrote that has up ever meant anything or got anywhere uh, was, is, a, is a song that actually was based on something that happened, or that, that's this, this, uh, a, a place that I was at or something that happened in my life or in someone else's life. And even in Northern Ireland, you need to sort of think about what's happening there and just, you know, write a song about it. And that, that's, right. that's the way I've done it. And, yeah any other way so yeah
1: you know. so tell me let's start start perhaps with the song you're best known for days of elijah yeah. tell me a bit about the the story behind what was the prod behind that yeah. that song <laughs> <laughs> i
0: will I, I will um yep uh actually back in 1994 right now, this is 1984 when it was was written and uh that was the year of the rwandan genocide i don't know if you remember that uh and uh I had, had well, I was very fond of watching a program called The Review of the Year. And The Review of the Year is put on by BBC at the end of a year. And then you watch it and they tell you all the stories and the news stories, et cetera. So I, I, had, I had watched this one night and I'd actually forgotten. We're getting towards the end of the year in 1995, I think. Uh, and the Rwandan genocide had, had taken place from the previous year and was, was at, at that time slightly less active than it, than it was at the time. But uh, so when the, I'm sitting in my house, in fact, this house here, where I'm actually sitting right now and uh, watching this, uh, it was horrendous because what the BBC had done, because it was a late night show, review of the year, then they showed some of the stuff that happened that they wouldn't have shown on the midday or the evening news. And it was horrendous. It was brutal. And it was, uh, you know, people being put to death by blunt instrument and stuff like that. You know, so it was just really unbelievable. And I was watching this and I I, I actually started to shout at God, which is not a good idea, but I did. And I said, how did you let that happen, Lord? How could you let that happen? How did you let that? That's a million people were put to death. My population of my country is one and a half million. That's like two thirds of the population of Northern Ireland put to death. By blunt instrument, because of tribal strife, and of course Northern Ireland was a place that had tribal tribal yeah. strife, and so I, I started to argue and sort of shout a bit at God, and then I, I said this: "I said, what sort of days are we living in, Lord?" I was just angry, and uh, you know, I got a sense. It wasn't a, a, a an actual heard voice, but I just got a sense that God responded and says, "Robin." these are the days that my servants have had to live through all through history. You know, men like Elijah, etc., etc. you know, and it's, it started to, to reel off in the head the, the, the things that God had, you know, asked Elijah, for example, to do. He had, he had to go, he had to, to, to sort of set aside the prophets of Baal. And when he did that and got rid of them, of course, he, he ran away because the queen and the king were going to, try and kill him and stuff like that. And, 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 you know, I just got this sense of God saying, Robin, these are my days, but they're days when you and your friends and my church need to stand up and declare the gospel and declare the love of Christ and declare my greatness and declare me as the God of God and the King of Kings. And uh, so that was me sitting there. And I can remember, actually, I, was, I think I was sitting with a big pack of chips or crisps, if you like, and a, and a cup of Coke or something like that. They're just, just sort of shouting at the television screen, would you believe? And uh, uh, with that final line, uh, that, you know, sense that God said to me, Robin, these are days like Elijah's days. And that was it. Right. I, I just sort of thought, I actually went uh, a couple of days later, I, I sat down and I wrote, these are the days of Elijah. I, I went to church. And we sang it, um, uh, we sang it right the way through. And I, I, I began, I can remember saying this, I said to the congregation, uh, I've written a new song, but it's a bit odd. <laughs> so, which is not a good start. really." <laughs> and I said, so look, you know, you know, let, let's try. And I told us a bit of the story and then started to, to, to sing the song, got to the end of the song and Paul Reed, God bless him. He said, sing that again. And we did. Uh, he got up and preached. And he actually had... The, the, the preach that he did that day was uh, the Valley of Dry Bones, which is another part of the song. Right, yeah. And what he wanted to preach, and he, he took this, this theme from that, and the, the preach was that, look, you know sometimes the church looks as if it's dead. It looks dusty and boring and useless, etc. But God can with his Holy Spirit, bring it back to life, and uh, make it a powerful force for the gospel, and for Christ, and for the world. And I, I, and I did get into some trouble with it. You know, Some people thought um, that I was saying something different, really, you know? And uh, uh, I, I must tell you this, actually, uh, Sam, because people sometimes do write to me, and they say, look, uh, David didn't rebuild the temple. It was Solomon that built the temple, you see? But uh, because of my erstwhile reading the Bible all over the place, in the book of Amos, it talks about the rebuilding David's temple. And it's, right. it's to do with worship. Uh, the theologians say it's all to do with worship, you see. And so uh, when Amos says, you know, that, that God is going to restore David's temple, what he's saying is, I'm going to bring worship back into it. To, and, and so that's
1: what happened and that's where it came from so uh, there you go logically correct there you go it passed all the theological tests that's good to know,
0: know. <laughs> but, uh, everybody's uh, you know everybody's allowed their own opinion you
1: know <laughs> so. well you say it's an odd song I'm all for odd songs I think if we don't have the occasional curveball then everything starts to sound the same and we don't want that
0: no we don't we don't and I, I do know as, as well and I have to be careful because it unfair to just you know sit up on a high share and and speak with other people or say not nice things but I do think that we do uh, do a lot of me songs you know where we we ask God for all sorts of things and that's a good thing because it's a song of supplication but but sometimes I do miss the songs where people just declare who he is, what he's done, how great he is and uh, you know some of those songs, some of those really old songs, you know, that are right there that were, where the guys sang songs like with lyrics saying like, God, do whatever you want with me. Mm. You know, I'm your servant and I'll do whatever you want. You know? And, uh, what was it? Esther said, if I die, I die. <laughs> right. So, so that's, that's, uh, that's, you know, I'd, I'd like, I wonder, could we get that into a uh, worship song? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
1: that's a challenging thought. I know what you mean. I mean, yeah. even back in the, I guess, the 90s, you know, I surrender all, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: That, that sort of language. I know what you mean. That was around in our songs mm-hmm. perhaps more than now, yeah. I suppose, yes. I suppose today yeah. a lot of our songs are a little bit more, come on, God, do this and do that.
0: Yes, yes, I, I think so. And I, and I know there, there is a place for that because I've sung a few of them myself, you know, definitely. But I, I do think that uh, the core of worship, is just to exalt god's name and just declare it and uh like you know <laughs> like i said whatever he wants to do he's sovereign let him do it sure his gold is precious and the honey sweet so you love this city and you love these dreams every child out playing by the Every baby laying on the bedroom floor. Every dreamer dreaming in their dead end job. Every driver driving through the rush hour. I feel it in my spirit, feel it in my voice. are gonna send revival, bring them all
1: wanted to um chat about another one of your songs that's uh, very well known i mean obviously i could i don't worry i won't go through your entire back catalogue we'll be All here right, forever right, but right. but one of them that i really wanted to ask you about is called revival because i think especially because that word for, yeah. for different christians will mean different things so i just wanted to ask you now how do you kind of define and see that word and what was in your mind and what was the context i suppose for that song yeah
0: well i must i must tell you that of course i wrote it uh and uh, of course, this is like a backward explanation, but uh, uh, I wrote it and the people in Integrity Music, right, uh, had heard some of my music, etc., and they, they wanted to publish some of the music, et cetera, particularly that song. And uh, they, they, they liked it. And I said, oh, thank you very much, et cetera, et cetera. And so they, they, they made an album and they said, we're going to call this al- album All for Jesus. See, And I already had an album called All for Jesus that the guys in Kingsway down around the corner there <laughs> in the in, in, uh, uh, south of London, uh, they'd already done that. And I said to the, the, guy, the American guy that, the, that was doing it, I said, look, if you, if you uh, put out an album called All For Jesus, and there's another one, sorry, uh, you know, now there's another one already called yeah. All For Jesus, that's gonna be stupid, because people will walk into a store and say, could I have Robin Mark's song, all for Jesus, and then they say, "Well, which one?" You know. Yeah. So so, I, so he went away, and then he came back again. He said, "Okay, we're we're not going to call it that. We're going to call it uh, revival in Belfast." Now, this was in the middle of the troubles, and oh. uh, I actually, when he said it, I thought, "Well, uh, well, we, I don't think we really had a revival <laughs> just yet." Belfast, you see, so I was beginning to think to myself, Oh, these guys are going to hate me. (laughs) And what this guy said, lovely, lovely guy that he was actually, uh, he said, You know what, Rum, it's a word of faith. And uh, so that song, uh, the sort of revival came out of that word of faith of that American guy, you know, because uh, oh
1: wow, so you had the album title before you had the song,
0: yeah, yeah, wow, so that's unusual, no, it, it is, it is, so uh. I, I'm not so sure how I actually then fitted the song into the actual thing, but uh, it, 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 it started really just as me saying, "Right, well, okay, uh, you know, if this guy believes that God's going to revive Northern Ireland, it's going to make a change here, then I living there should be doing it and should be, should be looking for it. And so I wrote the song. You know, as sure as gold is precious and the honey is sweet. You love this city and you love these streets because it was about Belfast, it was about our our, our town and uh, uh and the rest of the lyrics, etc. etc. The one interesting thing about that song, and and it again is why I, I like to do something only if I'm inspired, uh, was there were some people that... the the troubles were nearly over at that time. Okay. We we were in a, in a better place. So things, things were doing quite well. Um, uh, and so there was a lot of rebuilding in Belfast because there were buildings that had been damaged and destroyed and stuff like that. And so, uh, and, and there were some other guys that were building some of the structures and refixing re- and, and And one of them actually came to me. I, I think he was a Christian, you know, but he might not have been, he was a big tough sort of building type guy. And he said, uh, do you know, you know your song, you have a song and you say in it, We love this city, or you love this city and you love these streets about God, you see. And uh, I said, Yeah, that's a song revival. And he says, Would you mind if we put a big uh, poster up that in, in, in May Street in Belfast uh, that says, You love this city and you love these streets, right? And uh, I mean, like, what could you say? I said, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would not mind at all. And so they, they put this thing above May Street so that when you come around in the bus, or around your car, across the, uh, the, the building that they had it on, it just said, you love this city and you love these streets. And, you know, again, that, that was just something that came out of a conversation uh, and just out of looking, keeping my eyes open. Are you uh, still waiting, though, for the kind
1: of fulfillment of some of those words that you wrote, do you think?
0: I think, I think we are. I think we are. I, I, I do know that no, Northern Ireland and Belfast is a much better place than it is. And, I, and, I, and uh, the people still have a very good, I mean the, the majority of people have a very good sense of faith and understanding of, of, of Christ's purposes for cities and people and etc. And the church is still growing in, in, uh, in Northern Ireland. And I, you know, so you, you do believe, and I do hope for, you know, more and more sort of grace. And and, and, uh, I'm not sure because of the way it was written, of course, everybody mostly sort of says, right, okay, revival. One of those things like happened a hundred years ago when the Azusa revival, you know, when like thousands of people became. And I know that there's a a number of theologians and a number of pastors out there all over the world who really believe that that, that that's gonna go, I'm not sure. I hope, I really, really hope. but I think the, 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 the revival that, that probably prompted that song was just that, uh, you know, if you like the rebuilding of a city that had gone through something really, but yes, I, I mean, I, I think like all of us uh, that are Christians and, and who know, the sort of uh, when you look at the way the world's going and you, you look back at history, et cetera, uh, you know, and i and i have friends in america and different people there who are saying you know they really really believe that god's going to send a huge worldwide revival i really hope so you know i hope so yeah that's really interesting what you say though about the city
1: being revived because i guess maybe for those who haven't been to belfast it's it's hard to understand but I, i guess to use a personal example i was i was born at a time i was born in 1989 my understanding my understanding in 1989 i don't think belfast was a tourist destination let's put it that way well i i went to belfast on holiday a few years ago and it was amazing it was absolutely and you just think well on on a very kind of non-spiritual you know on a very physical kind of level there has been in in your city in belfast in the last 30 years very dramatic change in terms of just the physical place and 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 as you say that the troubles thankfully largely now being being a thing of the past i suppose
0: Yeah. No, I, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think, I mean, it's, it, that for sure, uh, we had some very good, nice pot- politicians and some very good people and uh, lots of uh, social workers, et cetera, et cetera, and all sorts of things. But I, I do believe that it was God's grace mm. that brought us from that place to this place. And it, that to me, it, 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 the word revival just fits yeah you said
1: um you said earlier on you, you believe that i think you said your god's favor is on northern ireland uh, i'd love to hear a bit more about that because i suppose you know, obviously i interview a lot of people for this for this show and um particularly those who live in london or england or um probably wouldn't say that about england at the moment i mean maybe some would but but that's not something i commonly hear so it's interesting to hear you say that about northern ireland I feel like god's god's favor is on you so i'd love to hear a bit more about that
0: Ooh. You put me in a corner right now. <laughs> See, I'm I'm not sure exactly if well, I stand to be corrected, but uh, I, you know, I do feel that there is something uh, unique about this country, for starters. Well, there's something unique about every country, and uh, but in, in terms of its roots, it is a, it has sort of been been a Christian country. Plus, plus, plus. You know, it, it, it's, it's uh, I, I think, even in the bad old days, when uh, one of the uh, political parties, and I'll not name which one, uh, made the uh, council take all the swings down and lock them up on a Sunday so that children wouldn't swing on the, the, because the, the Sunday was a day of rest, etc. That, we actually had that at one time. And I remember thinking... That's a little bit strange. So it, 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 but it, it has been a very religious place. But it has gone through, I suppose, because it has gone through such trouble and such tribulation, and yet people outside that you'll, you'll meet, uh, who, who maybe have suffered very, very badly in the history of Northern Ireland, have a grace with them and a, and a sense of forgiveness and uh, a sense of actually... Uh, Changing their mind and opinions about other people and other people 's beliefs and other people 's desires etc and uh, and I know we 're not completely there, but I, I do feel that there, that there is something about the fact that we were in a place of terror absolute terror, and now we 've been brought into a place of grace because things are good uh, I, you know it, I'm sure a lot of your readers or a lot of your listeners, et cetera, wouldn't, wouldn't know, but you know, there, there were lots of times and lots of years in, in our recent history when um, you, know, you couldn't go out at night. I couldn't have gone to a certain part of the town. I remember I, I, when I was doing a proper job, uh, I was actually uh, an acoustic consultant many years ago when I was looking after a, a, a little club, a Gaelic club, And uh, uh, (laughs) where they were making too much noise for the neighbors, and so I had to go down and try and help them reduce the noise. And they were next door to a a, a homing pigeon club, would you believe, that was basically uh, Protestant. And the the Gaelic club was a a Catholic club. And uh, I was going down to to help both of them. And on one night, they rang me up and said, "Uh, Robin, don't come down because the, uh, there's trouble here and they're just looking for people to shoot or whatever. So just don't go, don't come down today. And I, you know, when, when someone says about, about your town, you know, don't come down this street in case you get shot. That gives you an idea of how, how bad it, it would be. And so when, you, when we look now, basically you can walk from one end of a, of a Belfast to the, the other and for the most part, no one will give you any trouble at all. Uh, there's a lot of greenery stuff. That, that the council's working very well together. The politicians are working well together. They don't, some of them don't like each other, but, you know. And so there's, but there is a, a little sense of grace, I think, that has, that has been born out of being in a place that was troubling, just to use a word. And, and, and I suppose that, that's what it is. For us, even the small things, I think, even the small things are are a joy
1: coming back a little bit to to your story can you pinpoint a time looking back where you've realized wow these these songs are are going places and um your music and you were starting to be known way beyond belfast but actually all over the world is there a point looking back you think that that was the point i sort of woke up and realized wow god for whatever reason, God is really allowing my music to travel and I'm having an influence far wider than presumably you ever thought you would.
0: Absolutely. It probably was the Americans. (laughs) Those Americans. (laughs) Hello Americans. (laughs) Many of
1: them listen to this podcast. We love, we love our American friends. Despite, despite all their quirks, we do love them.
0: (laughs) Well, basically, uh, I, I got a phone call, you know, uh, from America, and it was from the integrity guys, etc. Uh, I have no idea how they got wind of my song or whatever, but uh, this guy on the other side said, Look, uh, we, we uh, have heard your song. You've, you've written a song called Elijah. And I think I, might, I remember correcting him and saying, No, no, days of Elijah. <laughs> and he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I said, Look, uh, we'd like to uh, come and record it. In uh, Northern Ireland, uh, and uh, we'd like to bring our engineers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and, and I thought, really? <laughs> and I said, wait, okay, um, you know, well, all right, if you want. And uh, so they, they they came to Belfast and they came to our church, and they, they brought all the equipment. There was gear that we we had never even seen before in our lives, would you believe? And they they came in. And uh, they said, OK, well, we're going to put, put this album out and, uh, you know, uh, we're going to put it all over the world. And I thought, really? You know, this, 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 <laughs> this cannot be. And uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, at the end of the actual thing, uh, you know, if you're Irish, sometimes you're interested in financial things, you see. We, we do like to be a bit careful with our money, et cetera. And uh, I said to the guy, you know, how much is this costing you to do? Because they'd, they'd flown people over in planes, airplanes, et cetera, gear, et cetera. And this is way back, way back. And he says uh, it was $127,000. And I thought, what? <laughs> so uh, somebody, somebody, now, there's a, there's a, Pre-story to that, which I think is really quite interesting. That at that point, I thought somebody spent hundred and twenty-seven thousand dollars to get me to sing a couple of songs. You know, they're out of their mind. But um, what what actually happened was I've got a good friend called Ronnie, and uh, he 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 had a shoe shop in Belfast, and uh, he was a great guy, Christian guy. Went to our church, and. Uh, it's a a body that looks after missionaries overseas. It, I can't even remember the name of the actual thing. It, it's uh, I think it's Haggai Ministry or something like that. It's not mm-hmm. uh, the, the the name and the, the ministry is sort of different. But he. Uh, he was sort of sponsoring that here. And he was a, a, the sort of representative in Northern Ireland, etc. And uh, he was a businessman, etc. And he was, you know, used to going overseas, etc. On holiday, etc. So for some reason, he ended up in Atlanta, Georgia on a holiday. And uh, he was there to to go to the, oh, that's right, it was, it was a conference of this Haggai Ministries, uh, because, uh, you know, they, they would have them all over the world. And he went... And he was in the Haggai ministry sort of location. It was a big sort of a building, you know, with all sorts of options, you know, rooms, etc. cetera, and, and down there in, in, in Atlanta. Uh, and he got bored by the, <laughs> the stuff that he was hearing. And so he went for a walk and he, and he walked outside and there was another building, another sort of a, large building and it was a thing conference going on there and it was a music conference. Uh, so he walked over to this music conference. It was for the music industry, the Christian music industry in uh, America. He had no idea. He had a little lanyard and a, a ticket that was letting him into the, uh, the, the high guy ministries. thing. <laughs> and he walked across the street and he, he walked into the thing and the guy, the security man, the door just looked at the, you know, the tag and let him come through and he he walked through and integrity music were there and they had a a stand and they had some music and stuff like that. And he was walking around and looking at all this stuff and uh, a guy behind the desk said, how you doing? Where are you from? And uh, Ronnie said, I'm from Northern Ireland. And he said, what brings you here? And he said, well, I was over at the Haggai conference, but I got bored. So I just came in to see what was here. And the fella said to him, how did you get in? He said, Well, oh, I don't know. I just showed my little lanyard and walked in. And the, 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 this guy who became a good friend of mine actually said to him, is there any music in Northern Ireland? There must be music in Ireland. Is there any Christian music in Northern Ireland? And Ronnie, the shoe salesman said to him, yeah, I know, a guy in our church, he sings songs and uh, uh, I've got a, I'll send you a couple of his songs. And that was actually how the whole thing started to go, wow. you know, which was unbelievable because yeah. it was just, a, well, a God incident, as some yes. people say, you know. And I suppose when stuff like that happens, and I think back, I say, well, there you go. Got a hand in it because A, Ronnie shouldn't have been there. B, he snuck into a, 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 a thing and, and C, the guy that he was talking to was actually one of the 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 people that actually pick songs and put them out, et cetera, uh, for integrity. The last thing was when they said to me, uh, uh, I think Revival in Belfast sold on its own. uh, Something like, I think by now, something like two and a half million copies, you know, it's a huge number of things. And I thought, oh, I'm famous. But not really. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that, that, that was it, you know.
1: So. That was it. Yeah, amazing. Well, um, I know we've talked a lot about, about your past music, but I'd love to hear about what you're doing right now. So bring us up to date a little bit. Are you, I think you mentioned you're you're sort of semi-retired, but are, are you working on new music? And um, tell us a bit about what you're up to at the moment.
0: I am afraid to say that I'm doing a Christmas album. Yay! <laughs> <Whey! laughs> And there you go. And I and I, and I must admit, uh, you know, like many people in this business, I'd said, oh no, not another. You know? <laughs> and then you know, when someone else did one, go, oh gosh, you know, he's doing a Christmas album. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but here I am, and I, I I finally decided, you know what? I'd like to do a Christmas album. So I, I'm actually working on that now. And uh, I've, I've got my musicians primed. We're hoping to to put it out in um, I think for this Christmas brilliant yeah. great yeah. are
1: these going to be new songs that you've written or are you well, covering old be, hymns there
0: will be a few of the new songs and, and we will be putting some of the the oldies and stuff like that. and I, I, it should be a little bit different um because of this flaw if you like or gift that I have where I get inspired um you know, I'll give you, for example, there's a there's a song that's going to go on it called I Don't Know Johnny, right? Now, that doesn't sound like a, a Christian song, but it sort of is. But what actually happened was uh, about two years ago, three years ago, when the British home stores still existed. I don't know if you remember the British home stores. Absolutely, yeah. Well, they're all gone now, I think, yeah. uh, all that stuff about uh, Mr. Green and that, uh, the money <laughs> that went somewhere. So I, I was doing a bit of last-minute Christmas shopping, like all men, you know, <laughs> right in the last part. And I was in Belfast, and I, I saw the shop, you know, British Home Stores, and I thought, oh, they sometimes have nice little things that are in, you know, that, that, that I might like to buy for my wife or whatever. So I walked over. The, this It was near closing time, actually, and there was an elderly couple, as, as I'm allowed to say, I think, an elderly couple uh, just in front of me. A guy, a woman and, his, and her husband. And, you know, w- within about two paces into the shop, I realized I was in the wrong place, you see, so, because cause it was nothing really worth, worth buying. But uh, they were right in front of me, and the, the husband had picked something up off a shelf, and he said to, to his wife, what about this for Bob? And she said, oh, I don't know, Johnny. Like that. And it's, she sounded so tired and fed up with, it, with Christmas shopping. And immediately I started to write a song. I don't know Johnny, that's what she said, with a shrug of her shoulder and a shake of her head. Uh, you know, just about that. <laughs> that's the way songs come to me. Yeah. And, and so, and that's not, a, it's not a, a Christian song. It is really, it goes, it goes you know, for, for that. But uh,
1: we'll keep an eye out for that. But um, sadly, our hour is up and we're out of time. But Robin Mark, thank you so much for talking. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So.